We read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though in the last time, oh sorry, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, that though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And dropping down to verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. This is the word of our God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, firstly, I would like to thank you for your prayers for my family. Many of you know that we moved here to the U.S. a year ago. And to be honest, we thought it was going to be bad. But uh, God has been so good. Can you say that with me? God is good. <laughs> uh, it's funny how we found and came to this church. Uh, but we feel really glad to have uh, found a community here and a family at this church. I appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate your love and patience listening to my English. <laughs> I'm working every day to improve it. Um, many of you have been helping me a lot and I appreciate that. Okay, so let's get started and let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity you have given us to worship you. And at this moment for the opportunity to be edified by your word. We pray for your mercy at this moment. Please take control of my life and open our eyes to see the beauty of your words. Amen. We have already read the passage and I'm going to be preaching this morning. So let's uh, read verse 3 again. But first, let me 
share something about my oldest son, Santiago. You know him, right? Uh, I want to share something about him with you. Santi enjoys so much any time that we buy a new toy for him. Andrea and I had to learn how to approach him about getting a new toy for him. We came up with this plan. Do not tell him that we're buying him a new toy or not say yes if he's asked for a toy until we know that we are already going to the store. Once we made a plan, we were going to have lunch first, then to the park, and then to get a new toy for Santiago. Bad idea. We couldn't enjoy our lunch or going to the park because he was crying and begging us to go right away to the store and get this new toy for him. He wasn't hungry anymore, and he was. Uh, he didn't want to play at the park. He got Sebastian upset and ruined the whole plan. He did the same when we had a plan going to see sharks, real sharks and dinosaurs, not real dinosaurs. <laughs> As you know, all these places have stores where you can get toys and stuff related to the museum or park you're visiting. Uh, and of course, we have been teaching him to be patient and to learn that all things have their own time. When we think about heaven and all Jesus has won for us, our hearts are filled with joy and we hope for that day with eagerness. But maybe when we are suffering in loneliness or shortage, we desire heaven or sometimes just to be dead. We want to run away from our situations. And even when it is good to be waiting for our God, we have a call to live for. Paul said, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have to enjoy the journey, the whole process until we get the gift of salvation. With the help of the Holy Spirit, the message I would like to leave in our heart this morning is our faith for salvation is perfected in trials and suffering. My first point is going to be uh, God made us born to a living hope. Now let's read uh, verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When Peter considers the work of salvation for the chosen, what he does is to worship. Blessed be our God. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be him who was shown mercy. Worship comes from our lips, from those who understand that salvation comes from God and not from us. Spurgeon said, and it's right here because maybe you won't understand a word from me. <laughs> you know, it's Spurgeon, so. <laughs> no other attribute could have helped us had mercy refused. As we are by nature, justice condemns us, holiness Roams uh, upon us, power crushes us, truth confirms the threat of the law, and wrath fulfills it. 
it is from the mercy of our God that all our hopes begin. Verse 3 keeps saying, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Peter's idea here is that God has made us a new creation. And in this new life, our hope rests in the work of our Savior. Any other hope in this earth passes. Peter says in this same chapter, verses 23, 24, and 25, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God, of the Lord, remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. If we keep reading, verse 4 says that our living hope is imperishable which means that it is enduring forever. It's undefiled. That is to say it's pure and it's unfading. It means that it remains the same. And then Peter says, kept in heaven for you. What would happen if I tell you that I hid your car keys and I hid them in heaven? At first you're gonna say I'm crazy but let's say, let's say that you believe me, you will know that it's gonna be impossible to find them. But then I'm gonna tell you that God is protecting them from for me. Well, there's nothing you can do. What Jesus wants for us is secure, safe, and protected by God. And then verse five keeps saying, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God not only made us born again and, and gave us a living hope, he's protecting us with his power. And it says that our salvation is ready, is prepared to be revealed. What an amazing promise we have here. This takes me to the second point, the test and reward of our faith. Then verse 6 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We have to rejoice knowing that God will protect us with his power. We have to rejoice knowing that God is coming for us. But as Peter and also James said, we also have to rejoice in many kinds of troubles. Peter says that it is going to be necessary for a little while to suffer, knowing that God has a purpose with our suffering that gives us hope. But also Peter is saying that unlike the eternity, the suffering won't last forever. And then verse seven says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gold is beautiful. In order to become of great value, it must be purified. Even so, the gold is perished, but faith, but faith a gift from God will be kept firm and secure until his second coming. 
It doesn't matter how much gold you have, it won't give you an entrance to heaven. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. However, our faith will be tested and we will be perfected. By the end of verse 7, Peter says that the result of our faith will be to meet with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Talking about Jesus' work, Peter says in this same chapter, verses 18 and 19, knowing that you were ransomed from the feral ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now let's read verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter. Peter has a lot to say about his life with Jesus on this earth. He dared to say and do many things that no other disciple dared to do. At first, Peter was impulsive, reckless, and bold. He was witness to many miracles, and he saw Jesus transfigured. Jesus himself washed his feet. When woman said to the disciples about the tomb, he ran to see it. After Jesus resurrected, he restored Peter publicly after he denied him three times. Peter never needed to justify his apostleship. His apostleship was never disputed. When he's writing this letter, he was reached greater, he has reached greater maturity with more love for God and others. Peter is writing all this inspired by the Holy Spirit, thinking about this bro his brothers and sisters, persecuted for their faith in Christ. And he's thinking about all those who are going to believe in Jesus without having seen him, going through many trials and suffering. But Peter, an eyewitness of Jesus, says, Brothers and sisters, you have believed in Jesus. You haven't seen him, but you love him. Peter understood that our salvation doesn't depend on, where, on whether we have seen Jesus or not, because it's God's work. When I was meditating about this, I remembered Thomas. St. John 20, 20. 6 to 29. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it on my side. Not this, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God, 
Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who are not seeing him and yet have believed. Yet, if we haven't seen God, how can we believe? Verse 8 says that because we have believed, we rejoice with joy that is unspeakable and filled with glory. When Jesus came to our lives and we believed something changed in our hearts, the love of God filled our hearts. The non-believers, when they are in suffering, they look for a way out. They seek for something to fill their hearts, something to give meaning to their lives. Not us. Even when sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, we trust Him and we rejoice waiting in His goodwill. And we're going to keep a living hope until the day Jesus returns. And last point, point three, fruits of our faith. And now let's read verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore is an important word here. After Peter has presented amazing doctrines in these letters, after talking about God's mercy and his plans for us, Peter, with the authority he had, is going to tell us how we are supposed to live. Verse 13 starts saying, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. What Peter wants, wants to say here is to be ready, be prepared, be sober. It means to be in control of our thoughts. Now we have a purpose to live for. We're living for the glory of God in suffering being tempted and even when we are a new creation we are sinners so we have to have our minds prepared for action verse 13 keeps saying set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ peter wants to remind us that every day until the day we see christ again he will give us his grace. His favor will always cover our lives. Peter will say in this letter how we have to live in many areas. But he's trying to tell us that we're not alone. We're not fighting with our arms. The grace of God is with us. And then verse 14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Before knowing God, we ignore how to live. But God opened our eyes. We can see the wonder things of his word. The scripture not only gives us hope and joy, they boost us to obedience. Do not forget how Peter started this section. He's saying, therefore, be prepared, be sober, and live as obedient children. It is common to hear a father saying to his children 
that they're gonna have to follow all his rules while they are living in his house. As parents, we're not perfect, but God, our perfect father, has always provided the best for us according to his will. He gave us Jesus, we have his word. John in his letter says that his commands are not burdensome. It means that they are not a load or impossible to follow. When we follow them, that brings joy to our hearts. Then we read verse 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Certainly, we cannot be completely saints on this earth. Even so, the idea is to live apart, apart from everything that goes against the word of God. Peter has called us already to be prepared and sober. Our enemies here is real. The temptations are everywhere, but the call for those who have received mercy is clear. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Paul gave many instructions to Timothy. In his second letter to Timothy, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our words, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Paul knows that what he's asking to Timothy won't be easy. The grace sorry, won't be easy, but in the next chapter, verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. Oh, we need his grace. Paul also said to the church in Ephesus, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. All the glory to God because he has given us his Holy Spirit who encourages and strengthens us. All the glory to God because he has a purpose testing our faith and he will give us the grace to face trials and sufferings. To be closing, I would like to give you four applications. Uh, let's give thanks to God when we are in various trials. Our Father is perfectioning our faith. Secondly, let's keep our hope only in God. Even when we haven't seen Him, we have believed and one day we're going to see Him and worship Him. Let's be prepared and alert, ready to always choose to obey God. The God who called us is holy and he has called us to be holiness, to holiness. Then the last one, we can feel free to come before God's throne where there is grace.
There we receive mercy and kindness to help us when we need it. Let's read this last passage together to finish. Hebrews 4, 14. Let's read it together. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We are amazed when we see your mercy and favor in our lives. You have provided everything we need to live for your glory. Help us to strong help us to be strong and courageous. Strengthen our lives in your strength and give us your wisdom. Amen. We're going to sing this last.